So last Sunday, Pastor Allen kicked off a conversation that I wanted to just kind of jump into as well. I was so encouraged by the message. Of course, I, I was in Maryland uh, just having the opportunity to, to stand in front of the Go Church people, our extended family there. But I watched online on the playback, and Pastor Allen did this message, and he called it the keys to a blessed marriage. How many of you were here last Sunday? You remember that word? Come on, wasn't it so powerful? So good. And so I wanted, I wanted to jump into that conversation as well. Now, let, let me just give you this kind of uh, this introduction for a moment. If you, if you are single, uh, as a matter of fact, if you're single, hold up your hands for just a minute. If you're single, come on. All right, keep them up for just a second. If you're single, look around the room just for a second. Do you see anybody that might be available for you? Come on, just say, anybody? All right, hands down. Just put your hands down. Just kidding. This, this church, come on now. All right. If, if you're single or, or maybe you're divorced or perhaps you're widowed, Listen, I believe that the principles and the practicals that, that we'll discuss this morning are for everybody. So nobody check out on us today, all right? Everybody stay tuned and lean in for just a moment because I believe that God wants to speak to all of us. So whatever season of life that you're in, I believe that this is a word for everyone. If you've got your Bible, go with me to Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2. I'm going to continue with that a kind of theme scripture verse or verses that Pastor Allen used. And uh, looking at Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse number 21, I want you to see what the Bible says. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you need a minute, say, hold on. Okay, Genesis chapter 2, verse number 21. Here we go. Let me show you what the Bible says. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh in its place. Let me pause right there. I want all the ladies to hear my heart for a moment. For a man to sleep, we just read, is very spiritual. Come on, fellas. Help me out for a moment. Men, generally speaking, can sleep through just about anything. Come on, right? And so, ladies, I just want to caution you as I give you some instruction today. Be very careful about waking your man up from a nap. Come on, fellas. Because in that nap, God could be pulling something out of us, and you don't want to disturb the work of the Lord. Come on, somebody. All right, I don't know. I'll keep going. I tried to make that a little more spiritual than I could. <laughs> Verse 22. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Now, I know that, you know, different circumstances uh, play out kind of our you know, life's adventure. But let me tell you, if, you're, if you are 47 and still living at home, the Bible says you ought to leave your father and mother. Come on, help me out for a minute. I know there's challenges in life and there's difficulty, but, but if you are a grown man or a grown woman, get a job. Come on, help me out, church. I'm just going to keep, keep preaching. Here we go. And they shall become one flesh, verse 25, and they were both naked. And the man and his wife... We're not ashamed. You know, here's the thing about marriage. All of those that decide to get married, they make that decision because they fall in love, right? I mean, I mean they, they, they fall in love. 
And, and every married couple that I've ever counseled, every married couple that, that I've ever met, initially enters into that marriage with this determination in their heart to make that marriage great. That this marriage is going to be awesome, that it's going to be wonderful. And it's amazing to me, especially whenever we do premarital counseling, how these couples feel like in their heart that in order to make that relationship great, that in order to make that marriage great, all they need is love. Well, we love each other. And then you know, if you're married as well as I do, that, that not very long into that marriage, the honeymoon phase begins to shift and it's over. And then the reality sets in. Things like toilet seat up or toilet seat down. The toilet paper conversation. Over or under. What, where's, all, where's all my over people at? All my over people. Where's all of my under people? We're praying for you right now. I don't know what is going on. You know, I mean, then the reality sets in, and, and it's who's going to handle the finances? Who, who's going to pay the bills, right? Who, who's going to bring home the bacon? You know, and then, and then, and then when you have children, the, the dynamic of children changes the whole marriage. And then you talk about chores and dishwashing and taking out garbage and, and vacuuming, Right? And so the honeymoon phase ends, and we still think, well, in order to make this marriage great, all we need is love. But, but you don't need just love. I mean, at the end of the day, I want you to hear my heart. If not careful, there can come a point in a marriage where you can look at your husband, you, you can look at your wife, and you think to yourself, what happened to just being in love? What happened to love just being enough. I, I thought that love would be enough. And then we say things like, this is not what I expected. And I hear that a lot in counseling. A couple will come in and they'll say, we ended up where we are today in our relationship because this is not what I expected. And I don't want to make light of any marital situation or struggle or circumstance, but, but you'd be blown away at some of the things that I've heard in counseling sessions about the frustration or the disagreements in a marriage. Come on, married people, make some noise. Come on, make some noise if you're married. Yeah. Happily married people, make some noise too, right? Yeah. Even, if, even if you're lying, right? Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me show you some of the things that, that I, I've seen about uh, marriage and the frustration. You'll see some of these on the screen. I had a temper tantrum because I burned grilled cheese sandwiches my husband was trying to give me advice and be helpful, but I slammed the spatula down and told him that he could do it himself, and I went and pouted in my room. Come on. <laughs> Watch this. Here's another argument. Whether candy corn was a vegetable or not, she says that it is, Joseph H. writes. Here's one. Uh, we argued who was going to get back out of bed and turn the lights off. We're both stubborn. So we slept all night with the lights on. Come on. Anybody got a marriage like that? I love this one. When I, the, the lady, uh, Stephanie, says this. She says, when I was pregnant, I cried because he made tater tots for dinner, and I didn't like them. 
We fought about tater tots for two days. And then here's the last one uh, from Alan M. Anybody? If your neighbor's not laughing, help them out. Where to eat for dinner? It is a constant disagreement. Come on. <laughs> Hear my heart for a moment. If, if we're not careful, over the months and over the years of married life, we can easily find ourselves at a place where we look at our spouse and we feel like this is not what I thought it would be. This is not what I anticipated. It's not, it's not what I expected. It's not what I dreamt of the possibility. And, and over time, again, if not careful, we, we can start to drift apart. And over time, there, there starts to be this disconnect from one another. And I think that's why conversations like these are so critical. They're so important. And moving forward, I want you to know that Kimberly and I will place a high priority on marriages and the family. Because it's evident that from the very beginning of humanity that the enemy has attacked the home. Come on, help me out for a moment. Now, Kimberly and I, we have been married for just north of 13 years. And I'll speak for both of us when I say this. We've learned a lot in 13 years of marriage about ourselves and about each other. Now, I, I, I thought that when we first got married... You know, that at 13 years into this married life, that I'd be able to have some things figured out. But I am still learning. Like, I, I am still a work in progress. And so, so here's what I want to do this morning. I just want to share my heart very transparently with each of you, okay? In 13 years of marriage, and I get it, some of you have been married a lot longer. Uh, some of you maybe haven't been married quite that long. But I think in 13 years of marriage, God has revealed some things in our relationship that I hope that you'll find helpful and practical this morning. So today, I'm going to give you seven keys to a blessed marriage. Seven keys to a blessed marriage. Now, now I want you to notice something about what, what I just presented to you. I said seven keys to a blessed marriage, not seven keys to a perfect marriage. And it's important that you know that because nobody's marriage is perfect. And if you find somebody that says, no, 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 my marriage is perfect, they are lying to your face. Because in married life, there will be ups and there will be downs. There will be challenges and there will be conflict. There will be good days and there will be bad days. But if you're taking notes, write this thought down. It won't be on the screen, but hear my heart. But if we work on our marriage, then our marriage will work. Come on, if we work on our marriage, our marriage will work. So let me give you seven keys to a blessed marriage. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Here we go. Number one, write this thought down. A blessed marriage communicates often. A blessed marriage communicates often. Like I told you, Kimberly and I, we've been married for a while. We've been married 13 years. When we first got married, though, uh, we had two major problems in our marriage. The first problem was this. I, JC, didn't talk enough. Kimberly, for some reason, did not possess the ability to read my mind. Like I just thought 
that by like some supernatural, you know, empowerment from God, that I wouldn't have to tell her what I was thinking or what I felt, that she was just able to somehow read my mind. And so one day she told me, she said, look, I can't read your mind. You're going to have to talk. And I learned early on one of the major problems in my marriage is I didn't talk enough. The second major problem that we had in our marriage is that she talked too much. <laughs> Help me out for a minute. I'm going to be real careful here, but listen. Research says that women use 13,000 more words a day than a man. I'm, I'm just going to keep moving before I get in too much trouble, right? I'm just going to stop right there. Here is, here is the key to a blessed marriage. Write this down. You ready? Write this down. Come on. Communicate. 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 Talk. And then talk some more. You have to have a determination that if you want a blessed marriage, that you're willing to communicate what your expectations are. Because the way that you end up with this is what I, what, what I didn't expect is you didn't communicate enough. And when you don't talk enough, there is created this expectation gap. But conversation and communication, it always closes the gap. If I'm being honest with you, which is my heart, open communication has been paramount to the success in our marriage. I want, you, I want you to see this. Come on, write this thought down. Our marriage will never grow past the issues that we are unwilling to talk about. Come on, that's strong. You ought to put that on Facebook. Our marriages will never grow past the issues that we are unwilling to talk about. Your marriage cannot grow past your unwillingness to have a hard conversation. Let me give you a real-life example. You come home from work, or you come home from a long day. You're exhausted and you're tired. Does that sound like anybody's life right now? Come on. But you know that you need to have a conversation with your spouse. And so you go where no man has ever gone before. Right? You walk into the room and say, honey, we need to talk. And you open up your mouth and you put your heart out there letting your spouse know, your husband or your wife, what your concerns are, what your frustrations are, uh, where the issue is, what the challenge is. And what happens? More times than not, it ends in a huge argument. And you end up on the couch, fellas, and she ends up in the king-size bed. <laughs> Explain how that works. And that night, an unwritten rule is established. We'll never talk about that again. An unwritten rule is now written in your heart and in your mind. We can never talk about that again because I don't want the outcome to be the same. And so we suppress those emotions. We push down deep in our heart the thing that we know that we have to communicate about. And the truth is this, is that we, if we only communicate to the level of our security then we'll never be able to grow past that. But let me tell you, in my relationship with Kimberly, we have learned that there are times that she has to have an honest, hard conversation with JC about the areas that I'm slacking, and one time I had to have that conversation about her. Come on, somebody. <laughs> if you want a blessed marriage, then you have to communicate. Fellas, let me tell you, I, I know that's uncomfortable. I get that. You know, I, I know whenever I come home from the office and 
We put the kids to bed. We have dinner. We put the kids to bed. And I'll say to Kimberly, hey, what do you want to do? And she'll say, let's just cuddle and talk. Oh, boy. Oh. You know, all day I was hoping that tonight we'd get to do that. Oh, there's so much that's just been bottled up. I can't wait to hold you and just tell you all my problems. This is going to be awesome. And by the way, could we put a Hallmark movie on afterward? Oh, that'd be so great. Yeah, right. Come on. I know it's uncomfortable. I know that it's awkward, but let me tell you. Kimberly and I, we have a blessed marriage because along the way I've learned to swallow my pride and recognize, wait a minute. If Kimberly says to me there's something that we need to talk about, then if it's important enough for her to say that, it's important enough for me to listen. Come on, help me out for a minute. And I think that a blessed marriage communicates often. If you agree, somebody say amen. amen. The second key to a blessed marriage is this. A blessed marriage knows how to have fun together. If your marriage is only about work and to-dos and being an Uber driver for your children, that, that's going to get old really fast. As a matter of fact, we're all about the family, all about the family. Families are important. But let me tell you, one of the most dangerous marriage relationships are those that are kid-centric. Those that are only focused on their children, and so husband and wife neglect each other, and they don't do anything fun. Let me tell you, I've learned in 13 years that my kids need to see Kimberly get dressed up and me get dressed up and go on a date without them. Come on and help me out for a minute, right? My, my kids need to see us having fun together. That dad likes to spend time with Kimberly, and Kimberly usually likes to spend time with me. Right? It's important that you're, having, that you're having fun together. And I get it, man. Life is busy. Life is hard. Life, life is expensive. Life is exhausting. And, and in order for Kimberly and I to go on a date, it's $50, $75, $100 before we ever put one morsel of food in our mouth. Because I had to pay for child care. Can't wait for the day we can just put some food and water and just leave them. I hear you know what I mean? Well, let me tell you, when Kimberly and I, when we sit down and we talk about our monthly budget, when I tell her that we got a date night envelope, come on, that I'm making it a priority to put her as a priority to have fun together. And we've, we've been married, we've been married 13 years. And after 13 years, I'm going to tell you right now, there's so many things that I love about Kimberly. But one of the things that I love the most, and I'm being honest with you, and I know some of you guys, when I say this, you're going to think, man, that is so cheesy. I'm not trying to cuddle you tonight, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there for a second, all right? So, all right? I love her laugh. I love her laugh. Let me tell you about Kimberly. And I don't know if she gets this from her mom or her dad, but Kimberly is very ticklish. Like, unbelievably ticklish. I can just talk about touching her feet and she'll start laughing. And so it is my job as a husband to make sure that I catch her by surprise. That out of nowhere, I come from behind and I make her laugh. Because when Kimberly's laughing, I know that we're having fun together. And I think after 13 years, you know, I still have a desire to make Kimberly laugh. I told Kimberly the other night, and this is a true, true story. With all of the move and all of the, the, the stress, all of the headache that we've had with rooms to go, 
rooms to go. If you're watching online right now, my lawyer will be in touch. All of that. And the other night, Kimberly and I, we just kind of we just kind of laid back on the floor, you know. And I started telling jokes, and you know, we started laughing together. And I told her, I said, I love to hear you laugh because it is laughter that has brought us through challenges and difficulties. What's the Bible say? The joy of the Lord is our strength. And I know that when Kimberly's laughing, when JC's laughing, that there is still joy in our marriage. There's still joy in our home. Let me tell you, let me ask you this question, married couples. Come on, listen to me. Are your children hearing you argue more than they hear you laughing? Come on, I pray right now that laughter would enter into your household. Come on, and you would have fun together again. Come on, at one, at one point in your relationship, you used to have fun together. Come on, remember the old days when you were dating and you'd call each other and you'd spend hours on the phone. You hang up. No, you hang up. Nah, girl, you hang up. Nah, nah, babe, you hang up. And then, 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 come on, be honest. How many of you fell asleep on the phone together? And you woke up hoping, oh, okay. Now what do you do? Got to go. Bye. Click. <laughs> Man, at one time you had fun together. Come on, I pray right now that if you want to bless marriage, that you would recognize that you need to have fun Amen. again. Come on, have fun again. Communicate often if you want a blessed marriage and have fun again. The third key that I want to give you on a blessed marriage is this. A blessed marriage offers grace. Let me ask you, is there grace in your marriage? Is, is there grace in your home? Write, write, this, write this down. Marriage is made up of two imperfect people living in an imperfect world trying to love each other perfectly. Let me say it again. Marriage is made up of two imperfect people living in an imperfect world trying to love each other perfectly. Does that not sound like a recipe for disaster? Come on, and the truth is, it is a recipe for disaster if there is not grace. Somebody say grace. grace. I'm not talking about being taken advantage of. I'm not talking about that. But what I am talking about is recognizing that your husband is not perfect. Recognizing that your wife is not perfect. And here, here's what we do. Let me share my heart. Watch this. Here's what we do. In our relationships, I don't, I don't know if Satan did it, society did it, or if we just did it. But we grade everything in our marriage. We do. So, on Valentine's, when you show up with flowers, fellas, in your wife's mind and heart, that's a 10. It's a 10. That's my man. He loves me. But the next morning, when you don't put the toilet seat down or up, or toilet paper over or under, that's minus four. Frustrate me. Fellas, when you come home and your wife has prepared your favorite meal, come on. How many of you thank God for women that can cook somebody? And if it was up to me, we'd be eating ramen noodles all day, every day. And I'd probably be like, hey, it's Chinese, kids. Just eat it. Ramen noodles, right? So when I come home and Kimberly has prepared a meal, I'm like, oh, man, thank you, Jesus. It's a nine. There's a nine. But when I come home and she's like, hey, it's take, I'm like, it's a two. And that's what we do. We grade our marriage. Well, let me tell you what grace does. Grace says that even when your spouse has had a busy day, 
and he or she can't cook for you, he or she still goes to a 10. That even when your husband messes up or he takes out his frustrations on you, and I'm not, I'm not talking about any type of abuse here, but when he, when he takes his frustration and the stress out on the people that he loves the most, right? Okay, wait a minute. Grace says, wait a minute, still a 10. Because his grace, God's grace is sufficient and his mercies are new every single morning. Again, I'm not talking about you being taken advantage of, but you have to learn in your marriage that if you want a blessed marriage, that your wife is not perfect, that your husband is not perfect. And fellas, the wife that you're looking at that's married to your coworker, she ain't perfect either. Come on, somebody. She's got problems and you've got problems, but God offers us Grace. Somebody say grace. And a blessed marriage offers grace. Number four, watch this. A blessed marriage exchanges I do's while also living out I'm not. Let me, let me share my heart there for a second, okay? We exchange I do's while living out I'm not. We've been married 13 years. I think they got a picture of our wedding day. I want you to see uh, this, this photograph, and you'll see Kimberly is glowing, and, and I'm just sitting there. By the way, does anybody remember this building? Come on, raise your hand if you remember this building right here. Right, Our kids' ministry at South Metro now meets in what was the previous sanctuary of South Metro Ministries. When Kimberly and I got married, it was the Peachtree City Church of God. Um, you can see she's glowing, isn't she? And she still, she still glows in my eyes. When we stood there and Kimberly's father officiated the wedding, he asked us a series of questions. JC, do you take Kimberly to be your wedded wife? To have and to hold in sickness and in health, in poverty and in wealth, do you promise to love and to cherish and to honor her in good times and in bad? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And then I responded with, baby, you know I do. <laughs> and then he asked Kimberly the same question. He said, Kimberly, do you take JC? And she responded with, I do. But over 13 years of marriage, I've recognized that my I do's are not always enough. That I have to, I have to practice my I do's, but I also have to live out my I'm not. So let, let me give you a list of my I'm not. Is that okay? Kimberly, I am not going to leave you. I'm not. I, I am not going to try and change you. I, this is a big one for us. I am not going to belittle you in public. I'm not going to put you down in front of coworkers or peers and other to puff myself up. Come on. I'm, I'm not, this is, this is huge, I'm not going to make major decisions without you being involved. I'm not going to show up with a new car and you don't know about it and be like, hey, we good? Here, here's a big one. I'm just being honest. Here's a big one right now. This is a real life conversation. I think our children need a puppy. I do. I think there's something special about a furry little four-legged friend, a puppy, not a cat. Okay, Jesus don't love cats, all right? I'm just gonna th if you're a cat lover and that offended you, I am so sorry. 
please send your email to Pastor David at southmetro.church. He'll take care of that. Jesus, 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 he loves dogs more than he loves cats, you know. But I think we need a, I think we need a puppy. Watch this. I, I am pro-puppy. Kimberly is anti-puppy. You can see who's more spiritual in the house. <laughs> I'm not going to show up with a puppy. I'm not going to do it. I'm, just not, I'm not going to make major decisions without Kimberly being involved. I'm not going to strong arm her, right? I'm not going to force my opinion on her. I'm not going to take her for granted. Here, here's, here's one. I'm not going to cheat on you. I'm not. No, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to do it. Watch this. I'm not going to ignore you. Now, that's different than selective hearing. Help me out. Come on, help me out. Just like napping is a gift that God gave men, selective hearing is also a gift that God gave men. Come on, fellas, I need you to help me right here because I'm in a deep mess. Come on, right? So I'm not going to ignore you, but there might be moments where, where you know, there's some selective hearing going on. Come on. Does this make sense to you? I, I am not going to expect you to do all the housework. I'm not. No, it's my dirty clothes. It's my dirty dishes. Ah, man, in counseling, and we have a wonderful counseling ministry here, Life Back Counseling. And uh, if your marriage is going through some challenges or you just need some encouragement, I encourage you to talk with uh, Peter Cimento about the opportunities there to strengthen your, your marriage. And, and, you know, we do some pastoral counseling along the way as well. And it's just amazing to me that men will come into that, that meeting with Scripture as their ammo. What seems to be the problem? Pastor, tell her that the Bible says she ought to submit to me. <laughs> I told one guy's like, bro, you tell her that. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't telling her that. He said, why won't you tell her, Pastor? I said, two reasons. Number one, she's a woman. Number two, she's from Puerto Rico. I ain't telling her that. There ain't no way. Uh-uh. You tell her. I ain't playing that game. Number three, because it, it, it ain't true. It's not, it's not true. The Bible doesn't just say submit to your husband and leave it there. The Bible says that we ought to honor our wives and love our wives. Just as Christ loved the church, so much so that he was willing to lay down his life for her. Come on. So I'm not, I'm not going to expect Kimberly to do everything and then try to take scripture in defense of my stupidity. No, 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 no. We are a team. I'm not going to give someone or something more attention than I give Kimberly. So we've got to create a list of I'm nots. And maybe, maybe these I'm nots are one of those hard conversations, one of the areas of communication that you need in your marriage. To create this list of I'm nots. Come on, you already know your I do's. But to create your list of I'm nots and say these are the things that I'm not going to do. Come on, if you're having fun, put your hands together. Say amen for me real quick. Come on. You got time for a few more? Okay, number five. Seven keys to a blessed marriage. Number five, this is the one that Pastor David said that it might get a little PG-13, so hang in there for a moment. A blessed marriage is an intimate marriage. Some of you might be thinking, is he really going to be talking about sex in church? And the answer is yes. Because the world is talking about it. Music is talking about it. Movies are talking about it. 
And yet, for far too long, the church has been silent on the reality that God was the one who originally created sex. It's his idea. And you, you, you'd, have to, you'd have to search really hard to try and prove that God is against intimacy under the covenant of marriage. It's important you hear that. That God is against sex under holy matrimony. What? He, he, from Adam's rib, he created him a wife. And then he placed on them a commandment. Be fruitful and multiply. Okay, is it, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to keep it PG-13. Uh, years ago when I first started out in kids ministry, uh, I'm sorry, in ministry itself, I was a kid's pastor. Thank God he delivered that call on my life. <laughs> I remember one Sunday uh, in our kids ministry class, this little boy raised his hand and he said, where do babies come from? <laughs> and I thought, couldn't you ask an easier question? Like, is there Santa? Come on, man. Where do babies come from? And before I could even think a response, a little girl jumped up. She said, I know, I know, I know. And I thought, oh, God, I'm losing my job. Like, this is it. I'm done. And she said, they come from vending machines. And I said, yes. Doritos, Nabisco cookies, babies. <laughs> no, 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 no. Be fruitful and multiply. Have, have you ever read the Song of Solomon? Listen, if, if you have any unchurched friends, right, people that, that haven't read Scripture, people that don't know, know the Bible, and you, and you quoted certain passages of Scripture from the Song of Solomon, they would think it was Shakespeare or poetry. This, the Song of Solomon is erotic. You don't need Fifty Shades of Grey. No, 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 you got the Bible. Song of Solomon that points to this idea and this reality that a blessed marriage is an intimate marriage. That intimacy is a gift from God for a husband and for a wife to share with one another. And sex was designed for our enjoyment and our pleasure. But I'm telling you, from my own experience in counseling, so many couples are not intimate. They're not intimate. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going I'm to show you why. Watch this. Because they don't communicate. Because they don't have fun. Because there is no grace. Because they've not created I'm not. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Why, why, why would your husband or wife want to be intimate with you when you haven't given them any attention at all? But God says if you want your marriage to be blessed, then there has to be this area and form of intimacy within that relationship. Come on, somebody say amen right there. Amen. Ben Patterson wrote these words. He said, sex is good because the God who created sex is good. Right? And so I want to challenge all of you married couples to be more intentional about the intimacy in your relationship. Okay, I got two more. Number six. A blessed marriage shares a sense of purpose. On the count of three, shout the word purpose. One, two, three purpose. I, I don't know if most married couples truly believe that there is a God-given purpose for your marriage, that there is a God-given purpose for your relationship. 
Let me tell you, that purpose that God has placed on your marriage is greater than just love. It's more than, the purpose is more than you just being happy. Hear me out for a moment. Marriage is more about holiness than it is happiness. That's why they call it holy matrimony, not happy matrimony. And in your marriage, God has joined you together for a purpose. Maybe you think, well, here's the purpose of our marriage. We're we're supposed to love each other. We got to get good jobs. We got to get a house. We need a dog. It's a little golden doodle. So it's kind of manly, but still hypoallergenic. My God, you know, and still love on it, but we can, you know, take it for a walk. Kids need exercise. Just throw that out there. Get a little white picket fence for the dog and for the kids. When we go out on a date, stay in the fence. You think, this is, this is married life. I'll get a job. I'll get a house, buy a car, get some retirement funds, and, and that'll be that. No, no, no. Listen, listen to my heart this morning. Your marriage is orchestrated by God to display His glory in a way that nothing else can. That is the purpose for your marriage. Come on. You have a lot of conversation with your husband and with your wife. You talk about bills. You talk about the children. You, you talk about if you'll, if you'll communicate past your level of, of security and you'll move into insecure areas. You'll talk about stress and you'll talk about work. But when's the last time you sat down and you looked across the table or side by side on the couch and you talked about purpose in your marriage? And you talked about, about meaning and you talked about goals and you talked about dreams. Hear my heart. Find out the purpose of your marriage so that you can be married on purpose. So that you can be married on purpose. God brought you together as one for more than just superficial superficial things but he brought you together for ministry to exemplify what it means to live in holy matrimony there is a purpose come on every married couple listen to me for a moment there is a purpose for your marriage and find out that purpose so you can be married on purpose come on can you put your hands together this morning Jesus name one more the final thought for this morning and then I'll pray for you a blessed marriage keeps Jesus at the center keeps Jesus at the center how do we guarantee that Christ will be the center of our lives and I I love that thought and I I don't want to get too far off what the Lord has put in my heart but but we know that we know that Christ needs to be the top priority we understand that but I like this thought of Jesus being in the center in the center of our relationships in the center of our home in the center of our calling and the center of our purpose he's he's the nucleus of it all come on somebody He's the peanut butter and jelly to the peanut butter and jelly. He's the will in the middle of the will. Come on, help me out for a moment, right? Okay? Jesus 
needs to be the center of your marriage. That's how you get a blessed marriage. Three, three ways to keep him at the center. Number one, you, you've come, Kimberly, come stand with me. You've got to pray together. You've got to pray together. Now, you and I, there are times that we are all guilty of praying when seasons of life change and difficulty arises. Come on. There's a desperation in our prayers when we're in need of something. But, but there's not a day that goes by, not a night that goes by that Kimberly and I, we don't join hands. We miss out holding the hands of our children. We huddle around whatever bed that we've put together in the middle of this move. And we say this prayer. Wash us clean. Make us new. Let us be more like you. Father, I pray that you would let us show the fruits of the Spirit. And my children, eight and two, will recite them. My little two-year-old, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We hold our hands and we say, okay, God, look, a marriage that prays together stays together. Let me tell you, I want you to hear me. It is really hard for me to stay angry at Kimberly when I wholeheartedly pray blessing over Kimberly. When I pray that God would meet her needs emotionally, spiritually, etc. I can't stay angry at her when I'm praying over her and praying for her. You want to keep Jesus at the center? You got to pray together. The second thing you need to do, you need to read the Bible. Read the Bible. Come on, grab a couple's devotional book. Come on, you version on your smartphone or your tablet can show you couples devotions that you can do while you lay in bed or if you get up early in the morning. We, we, like, the, we like the Bible reading uh, uh, method called SOAP. Everybody say SOAP. S-O-A-P. We'll talk more about that later on, but SOAP is this. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. SOAP. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Well, we'll get a scripture. We'll read it. We'll observe it. We'll ask, how can we apply that to our life and our marriage? And then we'll just pray. Come on, pray and read the Bible. The third way you keep Jesus at the center, come to church regularly and consistently. Hand in hand, heart in heart. Look, we know the challenge of getting kids ready to come to church, right? Pastor, he says this so often, and I find it so funny, but it's so true. He says one of the successes in his marriage to to Dr. Valerie is that on their way to church, they drive separate cars. How many of you know the enemy likes to attack your marriage on Sunday mornings, right? I mean, come on. Whatever you got to do, though, you get to church. You get to church to be surrounded by praise and worship, to be washed in the word, to be held accountable so that you can grow in your faith in Christ Jesus. Come on, church. Keep Jesus at the center of your marriage. Stand with me all around this room. Married couples, single couples, widowed couples. Come on, all around this room. Can we sing that chorus together? And let's invite Jesus to be the center of it all, and then I'll pray for you as you're dismissed. Come on, let's worship together. Jesus at the center of it all. Come on, if you're married, take your wife by a Jesus at the the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's 
house today we thank you that what God has put together we will not let man separate Satan we rebuke your attack over the homes of the people in this church and in our community I pray right now that in every household there would be peace come on somebody receive that there would be unity there would be a desire for conversation beyond just the areas of our security but yet we would go to places of insecurity so that our marriages and our relationships could grow. God, I pray right now that the men of these homes would step up to the plate of responsibility, that they would lead their families as real men of God. Come on, men. That we wouldn't expect somebody else to lead, but we would take the anointing that is on our lives and we would lead our homes. God, I pray for every spouse, every wife today, that we would be in partnership together, that we wouldn't look at our marriage as a competition between one or the other, but rather as a complement to one and the other. God, I pray right now that as people leave this room, engaged couples as well, that we would leave with a greater sense of joy in our heart, a greater determination that if we work on our marriage, then our marriage will work. Come on, somebody say amen. So once again, I just speak life over marriages. I speak hope over marriages. I speak blessing over marriages. In the name that is above all names, which is Jesus Christ, we pray. Come on, somebody say amen. And amen. Come on, Kimberly, pray. Lord, we just thank you, God, for every single person in this room, God. No matter what the situation may be, God, whether they are young and have yet to be married, whether they're divorced or widowed, God, we just pray over them right now, God. God, for those that are seeking the one, may they realize, God, that you are the one, that, God, you are number one, and, God, that you need to focus on finding their number two and not them, God. Let them enjoy this single time in their life, God. Let them, let them feel full and happy and at peace at this stage that you've got them in. May they be content, God, and may at your perfect timing, in your perfect way, by your perfect will, will you bring into to their life the one that you do have for them, God. And we just pray peace over their life, over every decision, God. Let it prepare them for who you're going to bring them together with, God. And may they remember today, and may they remember these keys, God, that, that we've talked about this week and last week, God, for that time when you bring them together with their spouse. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, one more time. Put your hands together. And let's sing this once again. Come on, that Jesus would be the center. Come on, let's sing it. my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about 
once again. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Hey, God bless you. God bless your family. You. We love you. Have a great Sunday in Jesus' name. To the heavens.